we had raves in Buffalo and I remember I went to one and maybe it was my first one ever. And in the kind of chill out room or, or whatever it was called, there was a two DJs in Buffalo. One was called God Morgan and the other one was called Christ Sinister. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And they, I remember I walk in and I think one of them was just wearing like an American flag and nothing else. And he was playing like one record of bird sounds and another record of waves. Yes. And that, that was like a real turning point for me. And I would have been 16 or 15 or something. And, and that was a, that, that, so it's funny, I'm going to a rave, but it was really what I was going to was like seeing like advanced experimental music. Art music. And and that, that's kind of like, that was a kind of moment for me that I never, that I always remember and, and, and kind of should have hinted to me that that's kind of what I was interested in, basically. Hi, this is Jack Callahan, and you're listening to 400 Floor. You just heard from Corey Archangel and Jacob Chiachi, two artists who took their interest in computers and the kitsch culture of their 1980s childhoods and forged successful careers in the art world, for Jacob particularly through his highly influential collective, Paper Rad. But... While both are perhaps primarily known as visual artists, both Corey and Jacob have backgrounds in the U.S. underground music scenes of the late 90s and early 1000s and have continually given music a primary position in their practices. For Jacob, primarily through his band Extreme Animals. In this sprawling interview, we trace their histories from their high school years to meeting each other in the VHS editing lab at Oberlin and through the beginnings of their art careers. We had a great time talking, and after almost three hours, we realized that we hardly spoke about Corey's work, which led us to determine that at some point, there will be a follow-up interview. So, be on the lookout for that. This episode has been edited from the full conversation, which is available at 400floor.com. That's the number 400, and the word floor, dot com. This is 400 Floor. Let's go on and get into it. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Corey. Thanks for joining me uh, today. I'm ex- extremely excited to talk to you guys. Um, I guess I'll just kick it right off and follow up on that. Jacob, like, what uh, What was your early, like, first of all, like, where did, where did you grow up? And, like, what was your experience with, like, music, like, growing up? And, like, how, what was sort of like did did your parents were they into music like mm-hmm. how does what was your sort of like early journey into like music yeah great question um well the first 12 or 13 years i was in lexington kentucky and then my dad got a job in uh north carolina and we moved to chapel hill yeah. and in lexington I went. I was in a boys' choir, so that's the first thing. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I, right I was in a. Yeah, and you know, I think Corey is a classical classical guitarist, and I right. s- sang um, and learned to read music through choir. Uh, and you know, I went to camp, and it it was a a part of the Anglican uh, tradition of boys' choirs. So it wasn't like a. It wasn't the kind that was like you know, secular. It was, uh, yeah, it was a part of the, um, Episcopal church. Yeah. So anyway, I really got into music that way. And I remember, 
getting into D and D through that too, as wow. well as <laughs> like yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, wait, talk wait, about that down. for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going too fast. <laughs> I just think there's a lot of crossover in like young geeky music kids that are into classical music for sure and uh dungeons and dragons in the late 80s um and that was how i found out about metal too so wow wasn't D in the late 80s also did you have to hide it from your yeah like actors because it was like uh it was like satanic or whatever yeah Yeah, right devil yeah i mean Loosely. I, I think, honestly, we were more worried about our parents. I remember my mom was not excited about it. Right, right. Um, were your parents pretty religious? or No, they were actually more... Well, they they were... My mother and father were both... Uh, grew up Christian, and then in the '60s they got into, like, Eastern spirituality. Oh, yeah. You know, you can, you can think, like, Ram Dass or yeah. something like that. For and sure. so they... But then by the time the eight, 80s rolled around, they... They were still into the Eastern stuff as well as into, like, me being in, in church youth groups and uh, um, singing in a boys' choir. So right. that's that was my pre-Chapel Hill thing. So I in cha- in Kentucky, I was, like, the weird cool kid. Like, the, everybody was pretty straight. And then when I moved to Chapel Hill, I was not cool anymore. That's the story I always tell. Wow. Wait, because it was more like metropolitan or something? No, Chapel Hill was ground zero for indie rock and and college radio. And and I – it was a college town. I was like the one kid who would wear – Birkenstocks and tie dyes in, <laughs> in Kentucky. Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In nice. Kentucky, that was me. But then, by but Chapel Hill was like the future. It was like you know everyone was wearing. It, I don't even know. Like whatever you associate with like a true indie rock subculture in the early nineties. Oh, uh, try to remember it. What what yeah. what would it be? It was thrift store, thrift store stuff, you know, yeah, right. which was all new for me. I didn't, I had no clue. So this would be, what year would this be? We moved in 92 and oh, that wow. was the year that like articles started getting written about Chapel Hill, Indie Rock. And, you know, Thurston Moore wrote, well, with Sonic Youth, wrote a song called Chapel Hill, <laughs> like the year that I moved there. Wow. You know? the, year, my the, mind. the year after, the year after punk broke, 92. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was a huge mind warp for me, and it took me like a couple of years to adjust. But then I figured my, out my groove, yeah, and got into, of course, indie rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then through the radio station, discovered noise music, and yeah, uh, and that was the gateway. It was like, I think John Zorn was the gateway into noise for me. Wow, this is high Whoa. school still. Yeah, yeah, this is mid, and then free jazz. Uh, you know, and you're just buying CDs randomly. I mean, that was the, I'm sure Corey or other, you probably also, Jack, like, do you remember going to record stores and just dropping 15 bucks on something yeah. because someone told you that something related to it oh, yeah. was something cool and of you get course. it at home and you have no idea what it is. And then also like you get, like maybe it's an artist or whatever, but it's like they don't have like the good one or yeah, like, so exactly. then it's just like, totally. it's like maybe they're like kind of like B material, B album or whatever, you know, like being For like, me, oh. it would be Anthrax. I had that experience like three times over with Anthrax. Like Anthrax is awesome, and then you would get like oh, some yeah. mid-level getting Anthrax like their record. like f- 
fourth record or whatever. <laughs> it really, yeah, they, they really phoned it in on this one. <laughs> I remember, I mean, since we're, you know, we're going to spend a couple minutes on this, I think. So, like, I <laughs> I do remember the, the tape clubs, the, um, oh, yeah. Corey, what were they called? Um, yeah, uh, they would, it would come in like a, you would get mailed like a sheet of paper yeah. with like, with things right. on it. What, what were and they you, called? Penny? Penny? I don't know, but you you get like eight fr- t- tapes free to start. It's like we're talking and about the 1800s. I know. <laughs> and For people who don't know, cassette tapes were these things yeah. that had actual magnetic tape. And you had no, to mail a check to a, like a <laughs> yeah. PO box or something yeah. in yeah. these clubs. Right? Yeah. Oh, yes. And so the reason I bring it up is because my sister, you know, like she just checked every box on the alternative section. And what showed up was like so diverse and strange that I had I I still to this day don't understand some of the bands that like were included in this initial cassette blast. It was like like I mean obviously I understand what the Grateful Dead is now, but to get the Grateful Dead like in the same section as um, I don't know the Ramones or wow. Sonic Youth or um, I mean, even trying to understand how Fishbone related to Sonic Youth <laughs> was like really confusing to me. You know, still to the yeah, I still don't think history has been flattened enough that that makes sense today. Yeah. In any way. Yeah. So Chapel Hill, you know, the issue I had in high school was I really wanted to be a part of this scene, you know, but it was all, it wasn't very, it wasn't like a hardcore scene where like the shows were all ages and young kids were invited um it was a bit more like closed off and uh we wouldn't have used the word hipster in the 90s obviously just it was uh pretentious i guess um i wanted to be a part of this ed rock scene in chapel hill and it didn't really work i just stayed friends with my high school buddies a lot of whom were music nerds like me and then went to oberlin and there was able to meet well, Corey, obviously, but a lot of other people that um, I felt like they were really, they were cool, but they were excited to be friends with me. And I was looking, I was thinking about it recently and I was thinking, well, the reason they were so nice was because at first I thought they were just nice, but I think they were actually like, Oberlin's a tiny college and anyone that shows up that's like, into weird new music stuff immediately you just become friends with them like there's no choice Well, how about at this point we go back and we do the same thing with you, Corey? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your origin story? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I grew up in uh, the short answer is Buffalo, New York, but the longer answer is the suburbs of Buffalo, New York. Um, and it's a kind of easy answer is my older brother, my my older my brother Justin, six years older than me. So he's um, he's fifty now. So he was early seventies, and so he he was the one who you know music always came through him. Um, so this would be like Kiss, 
right? So he would have been like eight when Kiss came out. And Kiss was like, that's a real turning point band for any kid that was that age. Um, and then, you know, my brother went, you know, to like Van Halen. So I remember like growing up with Van Halen records, like under our bunk bed and just like paging through them. And and I should explain here that my brother is like, um, like had an extraordinary love for this music, like a lifelong love. So he's, he manages heavy metal bands now. So this was like, wow. His, all right. So, so for him, so he was doing that and I was just always kind of around and just picking it up secondhand. And um, yeah, so then it would have been like, you know, so he, he was so into it that when Van Halen came to Buffalo in 84, he got my parents to take him to the show at the, at the, at the hockey rink. And he would have been, <laughs> I don't know how old he would have been in 84, like, like 12 or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, I have to. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so this kind of thing was going on in my house. And so, and, and then, you know, um, so I would say one thing I would say is that the way that I have always dealt with music is his, has never really changed. Like I don't, I'm not like Jacob. I don't search anything out. I have no, like, I don't collect. I don't even mm. just, for me, it's always just been like, who's around me and mm -hmm. everything comes kind of in a fog. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. like yeah. things just kind of come in and out. And I, I like, I like that very much. And so, yeah. So then, mm -hmm. yeah. So then, um, then of course that like, Van Halen went into, you know, thrash, right? So, you know, Metallica, yeah, Megadeth, sure. Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. So then in high school, I was definitely like a huge kind of metal kid. And Interesting. Um, yeah. played, you know, started to play guitar and was like really into kind of shredding and this. Yeah. This Were you also into D&D? &D? No, never. <laughs> ah, interesting. That's a, that's a that's a fork in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. definitely. So was not definitely. into D&D, &D, was yeah. into just like Corey was into hockey. Yeah, it's a ah, buffalo thing. Yeah, buffalo. Yeah, yeah so totally. oh, okay. Hockey, metal. This is like very um Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah, I guess very buffalo in a way. Um <laughs> definitely. And then um like Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was about to say it's like yeah, totally. Exactly. Bill and Ted and yep. and that was real. That was yeah. a real those <laughs> yeah. characters. It's a true story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, those are true stories. <laughs> and then like so then my brother goes away to college and so I have my high school years like he was no longer around and I had to kind of like bump into my own thing in a way. And that's when you know raves started made their way to the Midwest or the we would have been western New York. And so then I started getting into techno basically. Um, and that would have been like through, uh, the humble Humber university or Humboldt university outside of mm -hmm. Toronto used to have this, um, radio station that I could get in Buffalo. If I, I would like take my really long guitar cord and attach it to the antenna oh my and then God, wrap it around, so awesome. yeah, like wrap it around wow. the living room. And if I did that. And um, and maybe the wind was blowing the right way. I could get this radio station from outside of Toronto, and they were like yes. super. Because wow. Toronto has this relationship with London. A lot of people don't really know. Like wow. the two music scenes are kind of in parallel, and so they were playing a lot of uh, jungle music, drum and bass. Oh my God. And so I started to get into. I started just listening to that kind of stuff. On it would have been like kind of 
in the UK it would have been pirate radio, but in Toronto it was right. just like college radio. I'm just curious, you know, because I bet your brother would have been like, why are you listening to this dumb dance music? Like, or, or would he have been like, that stuff, that stuff sounds great. Like, well, there was, how did you decide it was cool deviating from metal? Well, it wasn't that far of a leap actually from metal. Cause by that time, like the metal right. thing had gone into like nine inch nails and then God flesh yeah, okay. and then, um, right. typo negative. Drum machines. Yeah. So like drum machine metal. And it's like really not that much difference in a way. Yeah. Okay. And especially yeah. God flesh. That was a big band for me and my brother. Yeah. Justin Broderick. Justin Broderick. Another one of these musicians who, who has yeah. stayed with me my whole life actually. Yeah, totally. And I remember me and my brother went, they, they came to Buffalo to open up for typo negative. Oh, and we amazing. Went. Wow. That's a show right there. Yeah. And, the, and their van oh, broke down. And, oh. and it's actually still something I'm, a, I'm annoyed at my, myself, but we, we were like, eh, never mind. And we didn't go see typo negative, oh, which is really, really yeah. dumb. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we didn't know who they were, or I don't know, like some clear, huge miscommunication, but for sure. So right. never, I never got to see Godflesh is the point, but so we were yeah. on that yeah. kind of, that was the kind of tip then. And then, um. And then, yeah, I get to college and then like just techno kind of takes over and Detroit, yeah. Detroit techno. And were there like raves happening in Ohio or around, like, would you go out to stuff like in, in college? Yeah. So actually I could, I, I actually, there's one thing I wanted to, I was going to, you would ask what was the first kind of yeah, culture please. thing I saw. So it's related because we had raves in Buffalo and I remember I went to one and it maybe it was my first one ever. And in the kind of chill out room or or whatever it was called, there was a two DJs in Buffalo. One was called God Morgan and the other one was called Christ Sinister. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The other was Mark Lord. <laughs> yeah. And and they I remember I walk in and I think one of them was just wearing like an American flag and nothing else. Yeah. And amazing. he was playing like one record of bird sounds and another Incredible. record of waves. Yes. And that that was like a now real turning point for me and I would have been 16 or 15 or something and and that was wow. a that that so it's funny I'm going to a rave but it was really what I was going to was like seeing like advanced experimental yeah. music. Yeah. Art music. Totally. And totally. and that that's kind of like that was a kind of moment for me that I never that I always remember and 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 kind of should have hinted to me that that's kind of what I was interested in, basically. Right, right. And I have actually a funny story, because I, I actually entered it as a classical guitar major, if you could believe it. Wow, amazing. And then, was- like, a computer science, um, like, make your own major. And then, like, yeah, I dumped classical guitar in it, but I ended up just graduating from the conservatory uh, with wow, a kind of, like, okay, electronic, amazing. like, electroacoustic technology yeah. music kind of degree so yeah yeah yeah. but it, what that meant yeah it's like i had that real kind of traditional conservatory educational oral skills uh music theory like music history 
Um, and that stuff yeah. was so tough because I just had no yeah. connection to any of that music. Yeah, right. And it'd be like, you get to class at 9 a.m. and then they would just like play some Mozart on the piano and you just have to write it down. Did you, Corey, did you, did you, because you obviously liked playing classical guitar in high school. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. The, what was the moment when you were like, I can't, this isn't going to be me. Like, I got to do this other major or whatever. Yeah, it was like, I think my third year. So I had, I had done three years mm-hmm. or maybe it was in the halfway through my third year. And I really liked it. Like, I love the kind of monk aspect of it. Like practicing yeah. six, seven hours a day, just like alone. Like, uh, I just quit. Like, I quit cold turkey and I basically never really played guitar again. Mm, like, wow. at all. Damn. Well, except in our <laughs> band. And, yeah. Yeah. But, right. And then, oh, and I can answer the other thing that happened is the internet happened, basically. So, right. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. so that, of course, was taking a lot of my attention and a lot more exciting, you know? Yeah. 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 And, or computers in general, too. I mean, yeah. you, you were taking programming classes. Yeah, and totally. You, so, by that point, you were making all of this music on your computer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you even did. You even made music on your computer in high school, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I just had an audio editor, which would have been like Audacity, you know? Like, yeah, totally. And totally. I just would make things with sine waves. I mean, I didn't. That's like all I knew wow. how to do, but just like really basic, like putting chords yeah. together. Yeah, of course I was trying to make techno, but I couldn't. I didn't realize you needed like a, like I was never smart enough to go ask somebody. So I just like, just like, uh, just made things on whatever weird yeah. little audio yeah. editor I had. Yeah. Um, wow. But, uh, but yeah. So the computers happened, and Jacob and I, of course, we spent a lot of time together in college. Yeah, that's at that's how we bonded. Yeah, like like years basically, like because there was a. There was a media lab in school, like in the library, with a couple computers that had CD burners. If you could imagine, that's what made right, them right. media computers. Yeah, and yeah, Jacob yeah. and I would stay in that room like for hours a day. Did you guys enter at the same time, or did yeah. one? Did you, wow! Yeah. So you guys literally were in the. And what what day do you think you guys met each other? Because I remember meeting people on my first day. Yeah, who totally. I still I'm friends with. Yeah, I mean, I it's all burned in my brain, like yeah. in a. None of my 30s or 40s is, I don't remember anything. From <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like that's so all true. of my, yeah. everything that happened at Oberlin is, yeah. like, like I remember. Today, I can't remember. Like how did I get here in front of this mic? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jake, um, let's, let's say it both at the same time. We'll both speak at the same time. We'll yeah, see yeah, if really we slowly. say the same okay. exact yeah. sentence. No, I'm just, yeah. I'm just No, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, Corey, you probably think it was the media, the media lab. No, or, actually, actually, I, I, I think it was meeting up in the VHS editing room on, on the top floor of Mud Library. Wow. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I, I could like, um, I have a kind of short and long answer. Yeah. I think that's the long answer, but my sh- short answer is I first became aware of you in um, freshman year, nineteen ninety six hypercard class because we were yes, in that class. That's today. true. That's we true. We do have a funny story when we met editing that video. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell the story. Please. Yeah. Um, so it's like year end. I don't remember what year it was in, in like freshman, sophomore, I don't know. And in, in the top of the library at Oberlin, there's, there's two uh, video editing suites. Yeah. And it's really like the last few days of school. 
And Jake and I are both in a position where we have to hand in <laughs> some kind of video for yeah. like, I don't know, Jacob, you had a class. We I were both. Yeah. No, they were both independent studies, I think. That's Me and right. you both. Right. That's right. So, of course, that's why we waited to the last minute, because it was like no teacher was <laughs> on our backs. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think we like ran into each other in the hallway, and we were both yeah. like uh, basically, um, what's the word? Like, intr- like we had in fucked trouble. up. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I had nothing. Jacob had really nothing. Well, not really. Like, basically what ended up happening, we ended up talking, and it was like, hey, like, Jacob was like, I have this half-finished thing. And I was like, I know how to edit. Yeah. And so we, what wow. we did is we basically joined together on a project and handed it in both to both <laughs> places. Incredible. With unbeknownst to the other teacher. Yeah. yeah. I don't, in a way, I don't think they would have cared, but it was, a, it was a, still a very smooth, it was perfect, yeah. you know. And that was yeah. an amazing experience too, Jacob. That was a, like an incredible film if you yeah. remember, it was like somebody had left the film on a heater at a point, so the whole thing was purple. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was basically so. Back to the like, my parents were into these Eastern gurus, and the, one of them was this guy Meher Baba, and yeah. he was like a guru that a lot of Westerners got involved with. And I was super into it in high school and early college. I and think I remember seeing that in a paper ad. Oh yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's all over our stuff. Yeah, so I was editing so I, there was a center in Myrtle Beach of all places where his followers and devotees would hang out and yeah. there was this painter who was blind and was making paintings with like a collaborative paintings in the 70s yeah. and I I went down and made a documentary like an experimental documentary about him but the footage was all like Corey said like melted so it was like amazing only pink and white and purple and it was interesting because he was blind, a blind painter and the footage was basically, you could barely make any of it out. Wow. And yeah. Corey was like, okay, I'll edit this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess. What did you think? What did you think, Corey? Were you like, cause Corey was like a raver basically and like a yeah, metal head. That is true. Were you uh, like, were you like, this is some new age shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's, I, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, cool. Sure. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good diplomatic way of. uh, of Well, no, I do think Corey. (laughs) One thing about Corey is always he's always been really, really open minded. Even though he might have his own, yeah, like vision or agenda. Collaboration, like yeah, definitely. Like that's why I love to collaborate because I, in my own work, I'm such a. I have so much trouble. I'm so tight and such a psycho. Yeah. But when I collaborate, it's I love it because I'm just like cool, like whatever. No, yeah, that's why I've always loved working with Jacob. Because it's just like it, yeah. Like I become so calm in a way because yeah, mm-hmm. all that psychotic psychosis like melts away. Yeah, totally. so I I had a great time and I do though remember we accidentally put I think this one clip twice. Do you remember that, Jacob? So I still have a kind of like <laughs> wow. Like, you remember though, that? That's right. Yeah, can you believe it? You're still Even ashamed of it all these all these years 20, later. Like a quarter of a century later, I'm still like, yeah. God damn it, man. Yeah. Um, so then a couple of things about Jacob, I'm just going to bring up that. <laughs> um, Jacob used to dress in only primary colors. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. was like really amazing. And yeah. it wasn't it, in an annoying it way. The, it, when did it that start? Black, when do you think that started? Era. Like everybody, the cool kids at Oberlin were wearing navy and black and like high waters. And, you know, it was like 
white belts. You remember that? Looking like a little kid was like primary colors was like sort of a an affront to the darkness of like I don't know. Well, what else I was seeing at Oberlin? It was like I was in, I was like okay, I'll I'll be really innocent and look like a 12-year-old then instead of looking like a we didn't call them hipsters. We called them homos if you can believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, that was like the phrase. Po- as yeah. in postmodern. Homos, yeah. Yeah. Wow. No hipster didn't exist until like 2 years later. Wow. So Yeah, it's true actually cuz hipster was yeah like the Williamsburg thing. Uh, earlier you yeah. said you guys played in a band or bands together. Could you describe yeah. what those were like? <laughs> yeah. Jacob? Um, they were, so I I forget, one was called Daddio's Tape Disc, which was a name of a mixtape, cassette mixtape my dad sent me in like junior year of college that probably had like, I don't know, classic rock on it? I don't remember. Like, so anyway... Um, that was that was probably like we were I we were using Max, but also Corey, were you also doing your uh like would there no, there wouldn't have been an uh an Atari or a Commodore yeah, in that band. Have, there might have been. I think it was, was also definitely like guitars. High Casio. This yeah, was like Casio. late nineties, like Lo Fi. Yeah, if you remember like yeah, like the Casio era, like four track era. At this point, at least Jacob, you were aware of sort of like the DIY scene, like circuit. Like, did you play in bands no. in Chapel Hill? Yes, I right. played in bands, but we never, we weren't cool. Like, we just played in the teen center. Um, oh, okay, so you weren't playing like, yeah, so I mean, because like talking That was to, what I wanted to happen. I wanted to be yeah, playing right. opening for, you know, like lo-fi indie rock, like super chunk or portostatic, whatever. I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And then at Oberlin, I felt like, oh, I am able to open for like these either bands that are, I don't think we ever opened for a band that was touring, but at least we were like, there were people at Oberlin that were in legendary bands outside of Oberlin that I was friends with. So that built my confidence to the point where post Oberlin, I was, I just, like would it you know force my way into things um uh but yeah i had never i was not a part of the scene in chapel hill um but i at oberlin learned about all these scenes like i learned about the biggest one obviously was the providence scene i learned about it from two kids that who's had older siblings that went to RISD, and i was like okay this is this is everything, you know. I got every comic I could from there. And yeah. What what years? What year did you start college? Ninety six. So it was ninety eight that I think I learned about Fort Thunder, and which had been that Fort Thunder started like the like ninety five or yeah, ninety six yeah. or something. Like yeah. it was like I think I heard about it when it sort of, you know, really started to yeah 
totally t- take off. Or How were you finding out about this stuff? This is like you had. I'm sure you had like just friends. Yeah, just, like just, literal word of mouth, which totally, was like totally. And maybe radio station compilations. If that, like, I think there wow. was a load records or no, it wouldn't have been bulb record. Bulb. No, no. Actually, before bulb. There was uh, Trouble Man Unlimited. There oh, yeah. was a few other labels that were putting out like no no wavy yeah. compilations, and I just grabbed every single one of them and was like, okay, who's and I, and again, it's like no internet means you're just so confused about context all the time. Totally, totally. You're like, is this is this band a part of it? I can't tell. I don't know. Yeah, and it's like you know, graffiti was like also yeah. Jacob, like graffiti was around, so it was yeah. even bigger Hip-hop. than. Things, yeah, hip hop. You're forgetting indie hip hop. Jacob was, I was a, insanely. Jacob yeah, was, was a huge about backpack hip hopper. He's forgetting yeah. this part. I mean, you, were like, <laughs> you would. I remember you would sometimes sit me down and play me records and be like, Yeah, yeah. Listen to this I, snare. Yeah. Like, wow. It would have been MF Doom. Yeah. I remember yeah. listening to all these people. Uh, yeah. It was crazy. Dorm room yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Wow. It was a. Uh, it was a wild time because yeah, I was into no wave and that stuff but then i was also into it <laughs> yeah. i would order 12 inches like anticon yes every single one of those i just yeah. again ordered them without listening to any of them and i'd get them and i'd be like well this sucks or <laughs> <laughs> hey but that's great i was just talking to somebody the other day it's like you know actually like getting a record and not yep. knowing and it like sucking is in some yeah. some ways better than getting a record and it's is awesome. Like it's a completely 180 shift from how people consume music right now. Totally, totally. Where it's like if you buy something, you're buying it as a collector because you know exactly what it exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. A hundred percent. For it's not a it's not a discovery based thing. No. And it's yeah, it's like a that was a research practice that we were doing. You know, and yeah. and I don't yeah. think that what people do now is yeah. really research. Then they're put, not putting their money towards research anymore. No, no, definitely not. Well, because also because when you have access to everything, everything holds, everything has way less weight, you know. Yeah. And it's it's like a tough thing because now you know we're trying to figure out like just like as a society or whatever, you know, uh, just like what if we're fi- if you're faced with such an overload, like mm-hmm. what is the best way to like deal with it? It's like you can't go backwards and you can't be like no one should be able to hear anything anymore. And we should go back to like, you have to mail order or something or whatever. <laughs> right. But it's like, yeah. there's some, there's, you know, we're f- trying to figure out some way to like bring like context or like weight or something. I don't know, back to music, at least yeah. digitally or whatever, you know, like, and who, who knows if that can even happen ever. It's definitely different, but there's, there's something, I mean, in your, both of your arts, I mean, specifically your art, your work has like mm-hmm. dealt with like sort of like information overload. Yeah. So you know the cheapening the cheapening of culture, which yeah. tends to happen with digital technologies. Totally, like hundred percent. Yeah. I think Corey speaks to that as well often. What would, yeah. what would a young person say though if they heard this? Would they? I they would be like, "Shut up, Grandpa." You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, they would. They would say like, "I can't them, relate to cheap, this." Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I was thinking about that before we started today. I was like a lot of the things we're going to talk about are going to come off like, oh, things used to be yeah, this totally. certain way. But I think actually me and Corey are really aware of that. We It's not that things were better back then and worse now. 
like I think we've pretty yeah. much always embraced this non-hierarchical approach to history, you know, yeah. that or, or culture, I guess, like that things were, and it sounds stupid to say things were just different, but I, I, I think as an artist, I'm really f excited by just looking at the differences and not judging them, yep. but pointing them out or something. Uh, it's really fun to be like, can you believe it? Can you believe this is what it was and what it is now? Everything's a mystery kind of a thing, you yep. know? Co Corey, how did, how did you get into doing, getting involved in like visual art stuff from being a, a raver who played classical guitar? <laughs> yeah. uh, a Godflesh fan who was yeah, also a raver. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, well, I'd always made videos, so I'd, I'd okay. made videos as a kid. Yeah. On like a, a camcorder that my aunt let me and my sister borrow for a few yeah. weeks every year. And then in high school, I, it sounds insane, but I had a video art class in my high school. And now that's, yeah. to remind you, I grew up in Buffalo. So Buffalo is a, like video art is the kind of art of that city. Right. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. With, uh, Tony Conrad being the one that comes to my mind. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, him and all those other people that were around in the 70s, 80s and yeah. 90s kind of shifted the culture of that city. So when I was in, in high school, I just thought making experimental video was like what every artist did. Who are some of the other artists for people who don't, yeah, for so, me also, and for people who don't know? Yeah. Who, uh, so... Stein and Woody Vasalka were there in the 70s. Oh, yeah, right. And of they, course. of course, started the kitchen and, and of yep. course, went on to a very long and amazing career of experimental yep. video and, and media art. Um, Tony Conrad taught, of course, until uh, till 2000, till like 2015 or 16 at the university, at the media wow. studies department yeah, I, at the university. I did not know. He, I didn't know he, continued, he was still teaching then. Wow. Yeah, I used Crazy. to. It was amazing. Wow. Like, I used to. Yeah. go once a year to his apartment in Greenpoint. Wow. Yeah. And we would Skype to his class in, wow. in Buffalo. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Because he, he would do like a thing where like, like half of the classes were remote. Um, yeah. Wow. And then, you know, just to go to Tony's apartment was a total trip because it was just like filled with like yeah, violins what was it like? and yeah. drums oh, and it looked like he'd lived there for like a hundred years, you know? Oh, incredible. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, so anyway, so point being is like, I had always made video and it, it just like, I couldn't yeah. go to art school for video in the late nineties. So I didn't even bother. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I ended up in the conservatory or at Oberlin. Oh, and I kept making videos just the whole time. Yeah. Some of Corey's earliest videos are like some, some of my favorite things. Well, you know, back to that idea of the, just the things in your late nine, early twenties, late teens are burned in your brain. So yeah, for some sure. Of those yeah, can you can you made... talk about can you talk about some of those videos? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, can we legally if you don't, talk about if you don't mind. Well, Hold on a second. Let me uh, <laughs> let me check with my counsel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> I think that like one my favorite era was when you started. Oh shoot! I mean, so the, Will, he was making all of these. Um, yeah, like Aphex Twin sounding songs. And then he would put videos, like found footage video from the internet or yeah. VHS tapes. Like I remember one that was like a super slow motion VHS of somebody like losing a, 
was was it log rolling competition yeah. from ESPN or yeah, something? something. <laughs> yeah, it was very Amazing. much. Another, it's not so different from my work now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, some of it was, you know, like there was a slow motion, a lot of slow motion stuff, slow motion video of like hot dogs spinning on a hot dog um, yeah. machine, which then I think eventually turned into an ASCII. Yeah, yeah, this like stuff all kept way with me. later. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. But it, it was like the yeah, Bill Viola I had learned about in high school. Like yeah. these kind of like very much influenced by some of this. Uh, yeah, like yeah, slow mo, eighties, nineties video art kind of thing. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. But, but with, then with always like a stupid st- edge. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, with this, that stupid edge, honestly, that's like massively yeah. influential to my own work, and just that's yeah. kind of like for both of. Both of your art is just incredibly stupid, you know, and it's, yeah, it's that is true. I love it's yeah. just it's it's sublime. It's, <laughs> I think strongly it's, agree. It's you know. I wonder where that sensibility comes from beyond just you know character traits of the individual. Like, yeah, totally. Is there something that we saw Corey or Jack that you saw yeah. as an early person that? Well, I guess I could think of something. Andy Kaufman. For yeah. sure. he's not an Andy artist, but, absolutely, or he is an artist, I guess. But yeah, it. I He's not remember. generally thought of as yeah. first as primarily as like an artist conceptual. I think artist also going to Oberlin, there's a lot of seriousness around music and art. Yeah. And after a certain time, I wanted to try really hard, but I didn't want to fall into the overly sincere yeah. problem. Yeah, totally. Maybe. I don't totally. know what. But Andy Kaufman, I don't know who else would have been like like the um, jokester template yeah it's a good I don't question know. what were we the thing is like jacob we weren't i mean maybe we weren't really looking at art then no, in college we no. were looking at like music it was all music, music. or or i would say the art that oh uh, yeah, Barry yeah. McGee and um yeah, Stephen yeah. powers that stuff right yeah we were looking or you kind of introduced me yeah. to that so that stuff was definitely on the radar right 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 yeah cool um, yeah early Early Deitch, or yeah, early Deitch, projects. early Jeffrey Deitch, and alleged gallery kind of energy. Yeah, totally. And totally. then, um, and then, of course, like we said earlier, and the other thing I wanted to say about Jacob, which is important, Jacob was the first person who ever sat me down, and Jacob, you showed me Angelfire.com. Oh wow, I don't remember this. And Jacob was like, "Look at these websites," he, wow. and they were just like personal websites on Angelfire. Now, now, mind you, Angelfire was a current site; like it was like yeah. a it was not like retro. Yeah. It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. where people had their homepages. And Jacob, I, you, you were really yeah. the first the person. The vernacular. Who, yeah. You were right. like, no, no, no. Look at these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's got a bunch of little spinning, you know, yeah. little emoticons. Like, and also yeah. what the people were saying, yeah. like a lot of, again, back to the sincerity thing. It was yep. like a lot of sincere, like, I can't even remember, diary, diary stuff. Yeah, totally, And totally. just the window, weird window into people's lives, I think. Yeah, yeah. Pre-live uh, journal. Pre-live like, journal, younger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still the yeah. 90s, if you could imagine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so that I remember, like, very clearly that you were the first person I ever know who's very tuned in to that right. stuff. And, and I mean, and it took a lot, it took a other people many years to tune into that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. That's what, interesting. What year? Do, what year do you think that was? Uh, probably ninety nine. Yeah, yeah ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, I would say that maybe that that I saw the window there through outsider art, which is a yeah. like a term that isn't really used yeah. so much anymore. But this idea of vernacular 
Yeah. Like studying vernacular expression, which I guess could come from Harry Smith, actually, like yeah. thinking mm-hmm. of it that way. Like, totally. I didn't know about Harry Smith at the time, but I knew about like this idea of whatever you would call non-trained or folk practices. And I think yeah. that I probably, because I was at Oberlin College, was like, oh, this is actually new, the new version of that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And while all that stuff's happening, like, Early yeah. net art is happening. It's starting, and we're it's yeah. also coming across our radar. So like, Jody. Jody.org, Yeah, Olia Lalina. This stuff is making it in. So we were lo- that is art we were looking at, but it was not through like any official channel. You know. Yeah. yeah. It was coming through just like email links. Links. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Link pages. People would. Yeah. Like they'd literally have. I'm, I don't know if you know this, Jack, but pre-social yeah. media, obviously. If a website wanted, they they would just have a page called Links. What would it be called? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Links. Yeah, and it it would just list all the stuff that you were inspired by, and that's literally how I found out about everything. It it's like important to remember those pages were needed because search engines didn't exist yet. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. That's a, yeah, totally. That's uh, how people just yeah think people would be connected by literally like click to click, like yeah. one person. Mm-hmm linking to the other like direct you know my my version of that with the links the links page is like early thousands blog scene where they would just have like friends of the blog and it would list 20 other music illegal music upload blogs or whatever you those know. blogs are such a big deal totally i, I don't want to fast forward too too much but those blog the blog era of yeah. music mp3s was yeah. another huge kind of yeah seismic shift i would say yeah totally uh Totally. What era? Yeah. Was what, that? what would you? Yeah, what are we talking? I'm. I think is, I wasn't paying attention in these. Days. You were there. You were there. It was all the reissue, obscure, like mute, mutant, mutant sounds. sounds. Is the one yeah, that ever? Right. That's for me and so many what people. Mutant sounds was the one. Jazz funk rates. Twenty right? jazz yeah, funk rates. Yeah. Totally. This is yeah. a, this for me. This is like 2006. 2000. Yeah, totally. Like I was 16, and this is like for me. This all is right. how I got into weird music. This is your radio station from Toronto. Yeah, exactly. But I'm. I'm also, but I'm curious of like to maybe even just rewind just a little bit to the the link, the link page. I like. I feel like there was we had there was a little bit more that you were gonna say in relation to that. I think that I found myself interested. You know, we were talking about how we didn't really get like a f- proper art education. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think instead what we got and maybe what Oberlin allowed me to get was an education where I just got interested in all like almost all of the peripheries to what to yeah. mainstream art like everything but painting and sculpture basically yeah, yeah, yeah. or not really but like and it's funny i liked hanging out with you in the art area because i was kind of like magnetized by the whole idea of contemporary art which i knew nothing about but i yeah, knew totally. that i could hang out with you in the art area mm-hmm. and and i just i i just liked i was like huh this is interesting. Like these people just have these little rooms and they're messy. And this is something that's really important. They all have very good taste in music (laughs) and they're listening to very cool music and they're just like making a mess. I just couldn't quite figure it out. Another moment that I remember from Oberlin era, this was a senior year. And I think I remembered it because it was actually in my studio where Corey was visiting. And I think I remember Corey, you saying something like, how do I put this? Like computers, Jacob, computers. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like yeah. it was burning my brain because I realized later 
not so much that he was right, but that that it was that what we did on computers was what was important. The material, yeah. Nobody else was doing that really, yeah. you know, at Oberlin. And then nobody was doing good art on computers yeah. in the art world or whatever. So I don't know. Do you remember that moment, Corey? I don't. I do remember having a lot of conversations with you about the brush stroke and what it meant to like. Oh, yeah. Put, yeah. Wow. And it was related because I remember we were we were making like pixel paintings together, like painting. Yeah. Yep. Painting a pixel image on the wall. And we had these long, we were trying to figure out like, what is it? How to get it out? What is what? It, what does it mean to the hand is touching the acrylic? Yeah, totally. And we yeah. were we were kind of wrestling with these kind of ideas. And I mean, in a yeah, way, we're still a, wrestling. Like, how to get yeah, it totally. out? Does it need to come out? What is it? What is it compared to like classical art? Yeah. You're right. We were literally having that same conversation that I still have, which is like, okay, I know this image is amazing on a computer, yeah, exactly. but do I need to put, do I need to print it out or should I just leave it on the screen? Yeah, you know? totally. So I, I do, I, I remember things around there, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. and we were just wrestling with it and it's like, people are still, of course, I mean, not maybe the generation after us kind of got over it, but it was our generation that was the big like, yeah, um, we had a lot of hangups surf, about like that. The surface or whatever, or like pixel versus brushstroke, maybe. Yeah, pixel versus brushstroke, a really simple way to put it, basically. And also, like, why fuck with the gallery? Why fuck with yeah. um, physicalizing something that is so pure and awesome online or yeah. whatever? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And that was like, that was a huge... Like, we couldn't figure that one out. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. still, I'm yeah. still like still trying okay. to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's still really tough. And like Paper Rad was a kind of response to right. that. And yeah. And this, or I mean, I can't speak for you all. But well, yeah, actually, could you, would, do you want to talk about the genesis of Paper Rad? So I was t- talking about when we were at Oberlin College, how I found out about this Providence scene. Yeah. And I can't remember, Corey, if you, did you start applying to jobs your senior year at the end, like spring? I did. Yeah. So, yeah. And such so one go, of the jobs. Such a go getter I was. <laughs> well, it was the first dot com boom. So a lot of true. our friends straight out of Oberlin moved to Boston or New York and worked for these, like, none of which exist anymore dot coms. Uh, so I applied to a, a lot of jobs, and the one I got was in Boston, and I, and I it was like a graphic design job, and I did it. Mostly because I wanted to <laughs> hang out with like Providence and Western Mass and Boston people, even though I didn't yeah. know any of them. So anyway, Providence, I was obsessed with Fort Thunder and and Boston stuff, and yeah. uh, moved in with my sister, and then we got to be friends with this one guy who is named Andrew Warren, who um, was older than us, and he was sort of like a Boston. He's a teacher, but he also was like a artist photographer. And yeah. he introduced us to Joe Grillo, who was a very young, younger than us, artist from Virginia Beach. And Joe was already like tuned in and tap, tapped out. <laughs> Wait, yeah. no, what's the phrase? <laughs> Turned on. Turned on, tuned in, dropped out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so through Joe and Christopher Forgus and Ben Jones, yeah. it was just like those three people we hung out, we just started hanging out all the time. And um, Paper Radio was Christopher Forgus's project. Right. Um, 
which I didn't realize until that show that you put on Jack in yeah. the summer that Chris was actually making his own radio stations even in high school. So, that, so that's okay. So wait, yeah, what was what was paper paper radio? That's his project with. I don't know if it's only his or it was with Ben Jones. Yeah. It was the zines, yeah, uh, comics, right, right, right. You know, underground stolen copies again what, peripheral to the art world but you what, know what year when what year do you think he started doing that like my guess would be like 2000 yeah but right, could right. have been earlier right, right late 90s right um and again it was like this research project for me of like who are these people like yeah. go to the comic shop every day yeah because this millionaire picnic had a zine section and it was like filled with local stuff and like some of it would say paper radio and some of it wouldn't and it would all look so similar and none of the names were on there or anything so i it's like studying doodles trying to figure out who was who you know yeah amazing and so then paper rad was me jessica and ben when we decided to make that website Um, yeah the legendary legendary website yeah that's like everyone i talk to is like i know i just remember going to the website it was a Fucking cool website. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was definitely the best thing we ever did. Uh, actually, I mean, the weird thing is we had three really amazing hits in a row, which yeah. was our website and then our DVD and then our book. So there was just like this, you know, really crazy wave of success that we had in a three-year period. Yeah. I didn't think of it as success at all, by the way. I was what, not. Year did the, <laughs> what year do you consider the success starting? I would say 2000 and three for the website maybe and then i think five was the dvd and six was the book yeah i guess what i want to say is that what was special about it was that it wasn't just like all three of those things were in the same scene it was that like simultaneously paper ad was the coolest net art website and it was the coolest like noise music dvd group video art group and it was the coolest book art like comics book yeah like printed matter book yeah i mean that book was also like the 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 giant book was like that was like a like a marker like you knew somebody was cool for me when i was like 18 or whatever like if they they had had that that on the shelf you'd be like oh hell yeah But I would say I could just jump in. Yeah, yeah please why, do. Please. Why separate any of these things? Right? Like they're yeah. they're for me, they're all the they're all the same. They're all and I of course I have a thing where I don't I don't I don't consider like individual works by artists like mm. it's the it's the space in between the works that's the interesting thing, right? Yeah. But like yeah. yeah, why why rate them like horses? It's the whole it's all the races together that are the thing. Yeah. Like, do you mean, Corey, th- when I separated them, like, as in separate them by scene or separate literally, like, a book is different than a, D- a DVD? Which oh, is I meant just when it. you say, like, we had three hits. I mean, you know, yeah. like, like there's a show, lot of other. That's show business. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, but, um, cause, you know, I, I it's, it's, for me, that whole project was, was, 
it was hard always to distinguish one thing from another. It was all together. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was like a book that I started reading in 2000, and I didn't really stop reading until 2008 or 2009. Right, like it was a continuous stream of... Yeah, that's how I experienced it. I mean, of course, uh, I understand like... um, no, those, you're absolutely right. Those three things put in an horizontal, like to have those three kind of things happen really affect you as an artist. It puts a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like it really will fuck up the the vibes, you know? It did, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like so I understand it, but yeah, I I I'm being is it the word facetious? But also I'm being quite honest. Like from like as I experience it from as a whole as a whole, you know. I'm just thinking like Market Hotel Toronto 03. Oh, yeah. I'm Definitely. thinking like North Six, you know, was yeah. it BO2, yeah. Dr. Do. The first yeah, times yeah. I saw Extreme Animals, like 2001 or maybe yeah. 2002, mm-hmm. Knitting Factory Basement. Oh, yeah, um, totally. When, when did you start Extreme Animals? Well, I, we started it around the same time, me and David, yeah. who I known yeah. since high school, but it's ah, still okay. going. Yeah. You're like, it's a little yeah. bit like suicide. That's how suicide yeah. was. Like really, they yeah. never broke up, yeah. and they would just like show up, you know. Yeah, so, it's a life so project. Cool. Yeah, so cool. life. Exactly, exactly. So and cool. it never it went down a notch. That's the other kind right. of like yeah. amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, it doesn't age. It was like I was like, I was taken aback by like how at that show, it's just like holy shit, it still hits. It's yeah. so funny. Like, and it's, that's it's great. I would say that a lot of that is due to David, David Whiteman, my bandmate, who yeah. I've collaborated with since high school. So. Yeah. Uh, our collaboration is similar to what you guys were talking about, where it frees me because I'm. It's no longer just me, and so I can be sillier, or and he, I think, can be sillier too. So yeah. I think it's silly is really underselling it. The point is that <laughs> yeah, the humor, humor, and when you get together with another artist, you tell you tell jokes, and then if there if yeah. there's a way to like um, funnel the jokes into the the work, it's a very, it, it becomes a manifestation of your relationship with that person in a more oh, 100%. like authentic way than, I mean, we do, we have many serious, long, serious conversations about what we're doing and how yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. But I think that the like jokes are the things that drive the, um, like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. Like that moment is oh, yeah. usually something either slightly funny or off or strange. Corey, I remember there was this era mid two thousands late where you would, we would hang out in New York and Brooklyn and you would just like pitch me art yeah. ideas basically, yeah. <laughs> and it was almost like you were like waiting to see which ones made me laugh. Yeah. No, totally. or like yeah, no, it's a, it's Amazing. like a, being a stand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still totally. do it. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a big part of our of our hanging out time and in, in that. Uh, yeah, in yeah, that no, apartment. and it's it's like. Um, and now I write, you know, I write them all down. I go back yeah. to them, and if they're yeah. still funny a couple of years later, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and I actually during during those years, I used to do a lot of artist lectures, and half of the lectures were just me, yeah, like pitching ideas and trying right. to read the crowd and like kind of like R and D for my own totally you, shit. Really? So like you would you would just be get, you would just be up there with a the mic He'd, and you would be like, yeah, just, he would have his laptop open and yeah. he would open it up and he would. <laughs> show you a list like a text document of 
various ideas to see which ones made yeah. people laugh. Yeah. Amazing. In oh, fact, it's incredible. Wasn't it was called like a, something? Yeah. Continuous focused, partial awareness. Con, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the only, again, like it's a little bit like now that I think back on that, I'm like, I don't know how I did. Like, how did I do that? Like what mm. was I Amazing. drunk? No, like, I don't know. Yeah. But in a way, like what I learned doing that over and over again and hearing people come up to me years later is you never, because it's art and it's not comedy, it's, it's yeah. actually you never knew when you had a bad set. Because it's art and art has a different type of humor. It's art humor. Yeah, and totally. so, yeah. And it, and it, it stretches through time and, and it's like, it's such a bizarre... It sticks with people in a different way. Yeah, totally. So you don't need to get the laughs. And I was like confused about that back then. I mean, I was confused about a lot of things then and am now. Yeah. And actually, as I'm older, I get, I find like, oh God, I'm just going backwards. Like, like you'd think it, things would get easier, but things get harder. You get more yeah. confused. It's, it's very bizarre. I know, yeah. Being like, a, I agree with that. Like, artist, you think, it's, yeah. it's very bizarre. What do you find? What do you find challenging about it? Like, are you? It's just that you 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 know too much, or like you're not well, as like for me. It's SP yeah. four. Yeah, it's like it's everything you. T every time you say, "Okay, this is what it is," yeah, like then something comes up that makes you realize that's not <laughs> exactly. what it is. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so you're left back at ground zero again. Of like, like for me, currently, it's like I'm back at this place where I'm like do I even make art? Am I even an artist? Which is exactly how I felt when I was 22. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you'd think I would have figured that out, but somehow through, because I'm, st I would say it's because I'm still engaged because I'm still passionate and like trying that I, uh, I'm staying confused, which I think is a good thing. Like maybe that should be the name of this episode staying, is staying, I'm confused. staying confused. I agree. Damn right. Damn right. Yeah. And the more, you know, like, you know, too much, that all works out, just works against you. Cause once you realize, yeah. Oh shit, what I thought, exactly what Jacob said, like the, the more confident you are, the more things are going well, the more you have some hits as Jacob say, right. The, the second you realize, Oh my God, all that stuff I thought that I did to make that happen is not true or I yeah. misunderstood it, it makes exactly. it that much harder. Yeah, totally. Or the zeitgeist has moved completely. The vibe shift, yeah. The, the vibe, vibe shift. shift. God damn it. <laughs> no, we're not and supposed so, to say that. You're going to beep that out? No, 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 no. I'm I'm agreeing with you. No, but shit, yeah, the vibe. I mean, Jacob and I, how many vibe shifts we've, have we been through? Like three or four yeah. now. And I didn't realize, actually, so apparently there was a huge paper ad backlash and really really okay See, I, was, like I was completely unaware here. what yeah. yeah i guess that's you must be yeah yeah who are you talking to <laughs> no yeah. but apparently Jesus. like i know Bump maybe those I, friends i know i again just vibe shifts like <laughs> yeah it, it we've been through them and all I could say is like, yeah, I heard later of people like really dissing the style you know wow dissing wow. all of the like and that's fine. I was totally like, yeah, exactly. That's what you do. You know, you move on. Well, actually, this is a good segue. Really quick, I wanted to just say like, so you know how we were talking about like, um, well, yeah, just underground music and zeitgeisty stuff. And it struck me, correct me if I'm wrong, but that like maybe music isn't even a part of underground culture in the same way that it was when we were younger, that... Things like podcasts or 
books or t- like YouTube videos are yeah. is that accurate to your experience, Jack? I think that I'm not sure in a way because I'm also I'm approaching the the uh, status of becoming old elder, elder statesman. Yes. So all that right. to say, I kind of don't know what what younger people or underground right. quote unquote underground culture because I I I sort of feel estranged from it or like mm-hmm. what is going on now. But I feel like for every thousand kids who don't give a shit about any of this, there's one who will yeah. be ups- get obsessed with the history in the same yeah. way that people your your guys' age and older have asked me like do people your age like care about like rock and roll or like what or you know or whatever and it's like probably not but i do and like you know what i mean it's like i know a lot about it or about this kind of stuff and it's like i think that's that's kind of probably been the case in terms of like like uh historical knowledge of stuff like probably the majority of people don't care or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're all. But there will be. They're always is like the keeper of the flame or something like that's that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty. I'm. I'm not. That's a good I'm way to end worried. it. Yeah. A positive. Definitely. We're not worried. Definitely not worried. Exactly. Still confused, but not worried. It's, Wait. What? That's the staying confused. Yeah. yeah is that what confused? But it's not worried. Exactly. That's a very good way to put it. I think, <laughs> although actually, to be honest, like worried a lot of every day, but about yeah, other exactly. things. That's true. Yeah. Exactly. But exactly. But but things unrelated to. Yeah, to exactly. This. I would. I would. Dietary s- needs. Yeah, not like the overall his arc of the avant garde. Like that, I'm not worried about. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> staying. It's all about staying confused. And I would say that as a postscriptum, when I make when I make work, I know it's successful if I don't know if it's good. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I hear that. You know, That's, but and the thing is, you'll never know that it's good because exactly, you're not yeah. in charge of it either. So you, you know, actually literally exactly. are not involved in that process at all, which is even exactly. scarier. Exactly. Yeah. And what the fuck is good, anyways? So. <laughs> Podcasts are really good. Podcasts are good. Thanks to Corey and Jacob for joining me to speak about their lives and work. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to 400 Floor wherever you get your podcasts. To hear the raw and uncut version of this episode, which is very long, plus much more bonus material, you can purchase it at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. 400 Floor is a podcast produced by Nina Protocol, where two musicians pair up to talk about their roots individually and together and reflect on the communities that shaped them. We'll be back in a few weeks with another deep dive. Thanks for listening.